Good morning, Living Loved. This morning we're going to be going through Matthew 26 again, finishing out the second half, talking about Jesus being betrayed and arrested in the garden and the things that come after that. So, join me this morning. Matthew 26. Good morning, everybody. 26. It's going to be verse 36 through 75 this morning. 36 through 75. Morning, Abby. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for hopping on. Hmm. Thank you, Flash Content Only. Good morning, Jenny. Good morning, everybody. So today... We're going to be going through the second half of Matthew 26. Yesterday we did the first half of Matthew 26, and I do just want to touch on everything that happened in the first half of Matthew 26 so we can have one kind of full view of Matthew 26. So just real quick, as people start to join in, I'm going to kind of talk through some of the stuff that happened in the first half of Matthew 26, and then we're going to go and finish the rest of Matthew 26. So thank you, everybody for joining this morning. So right now I'm just going to I'm going to talk through the first chapter first half of the chapter 26 of Matthew. Um for anybody who wasn't here yesterday or if you want to get the full full view of Matthew 26, I'm just going to real quick go through the first half and then we're going to really look at the second half this morning. So join me this morning. It's going to be good. It's very important to know these things. It's very important to know what Jesus went through. This is just the beginning of Jesus' suffering before he gets led to the cross. So, in the first half, Matthew 26, we hear of the leading priests and the, the religious leaders at that time trying to get Jesus killed, right? They wanted to kill him. They wanted to plot how to capture him and kill him. And they didn't want to do it over Passover, but we talked about how Passover was actually the Old Testament. is in the Old Testament, right? It happened to the Israelites in Egypt. And they had to put blood over their door, blood of a lamb over their door to be passed over from the angel of death. You can read that in, in the book of Exodus. And we talked about how Jesus is our Passover lamb, right? He is the new lamb. This is the new covenant with Jesus' blood. We no longer offer animal sacrifices because Jesus has been the sacrifice for our sin and it is his blood the blood of the lamb that washes us new that makes us clean that washes away our sin so we talked about that and then we talked about the woman who anointed Jesus's feet she anointed his feet and some of the disciples didn't like it right away because they thought it was a waste of money but Jesus says since I am here now it is better for this to happen right the poor will always be with you but I am about to leave right and he said this woman will be remembered then we hear that Judas is going to betray Jesus. And then the, the disciples prepare for the Passover, right? They go and find the house where they're going to have the Last Supper with Jesus. And then we read through the Last Supper. And the Last Supper is the last meal that Jesus has together with his disciples, right? Because he's about to get betrayed and arrested. And we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. But they share the Last Supper and Jesus says, This bread I break is my body. And this this cup that we share is my blood, right? So he's showing us that he is the sacrifice his blood his body is going to be the sacrifice for our sins and right we that's communion we still 
practice that today, right? To remember what Jesus has done. It always brings us back to what Jesus has done, the suffering that he went through. But then it also talked about how Judas was pointed out that he was going to betray Jesus, right? Because we saw earlier in Matthew 26 that he was paid off by the religious leaders to betray Jesus, to tell them where Jesus would be so that they could arrest him, right? And then Jesus predicted Peter's denial. He said, after I've been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. So he's saying, I'm going to die. And Peter says, no, I'm not going to let you die, right? If you're going to die, I'm going to die with you. That's what Peter says. And Jesus already knows. And Jesus tells him at this point that Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the, before this next morning, right? And so we're going to read through the rest of Matthew 26 this morning, and we're going to see the rest of that stuff happening. We're going to talk about Jesus in the garden, his prayer to the Father before he goes through these things. Then Jesus is betrayed and arrested, and then he's brought into the court of the high priest. And then we see Peter actually denying Jesus three times, just like Jesus said he would. So, let's pray real quick. I want to pray real quick, just a real quick prayer, and then we'll get into the second half of Matthew 26, starting at verse 36. Stay on this morning. We, we, we want to share this with you this morning. Okay. Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you for your word, Father. We thank you for your spirit that helps speak to us, that you are alive in us, that you have given us the power to overcome death in the grave by the blood of Jesus. Jesus, we thank you and we praise you for what you have done, Lord. Your love is greater. Your love is stronger. You did not deserve to die on that cross, yet you humbled yourself and obediently came so that we could have life, that even though while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And he has given us new life, new hope, and a new future. A future that includes forever with you, Lord. So today, Lord, we step into that future. We're not, we don't want to wait until you come back or we go to heaven, Lord. We want to live in that freedom today because you say we are a new creation in Christ when we believe in you. So this morning we believe that, we have faith for it, and we ask that you would speak to us, that you would be the greatest example of love, that you would show us what it truly means to love and to follow the Father's will this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. All right. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for hopping on. All right. Matthew 26, starting at verse 36. Then Jesus went with him to the olive garden, or then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. And he took Peter and James and John. So he takes three of the disciples to go with him to pray. And Jesus becomes anguished and distressed. Right? Jesus becomes anguished and distressed. He told them, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And he went on a little farther and bowed his face with his face to the ground, praying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even this one hour? Keep watch and pray, so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. 
Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, My father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. Then he came to the disciples and said, Go ahead and sleep, have your rest, but look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going, my betrayer is here. And so we we see Jesus go into the garden, and he takes these three disciples with him. And he gets there, and he's already anguished and distressed. Jesus knows the Father's will, right? Jesus has come from the Father, and he has been in line with the Father ever since, right? He knows the Father's will, and he's he knows what's coming upon his life, right? And he becomes anguished and distressed, and he tells them, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Jesus is saying this. He is so grieved about what is about to happen to the point of death, right? In another place, in another gospel, it said that he was sweating blood, right? He was so grieved that he was sweating blood. And he says to these three disciples, stay here and keep watch with me. And then he goes on a little farther and bows his head and prays to God, right? Prays to his father. He says, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And so often we think that Jesus was just ready to go to the cross. You know, he knew what he was coming for and he just, he wanted to die for us, right? And we see that it might not be so much that. And it's more of him following the will of the Father, right? Because Jesus is in a human body, right? He is living in the flesh. He's come into the, sh- the shape, the form, the son of a man, right? He calls himself the son of man all the, all the time. So he is human, right? He became human just like us, just like you and me. And because he came like this, he knows what we feel like, right? He knows what it feels like to be anguished and distressed and to be grieving, to feel like our soul is crushed, right? And Jesus says, if it, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me, right? Naturally, Jesus doesn't want to die. Jesus doesn't want to go through all of these things that he knows must happen, right? Jesus is the word of God. It was said in Isaiah 53 what would happen to him. He knew that prophecy. He knew the things that were coming upon his life. And he asked, Lord, if it, is, if it is possible, take this away, yet your will be done, not my own. He always surrendered to the Father's will. That's why he went to the cross. Yes, Jesus loves you. Yes, Jesus loves me. But he was ultimately doing it to surrender to the Father's will because it is the Father's plan, right? It was the Father's plan to bring all into his kingdom, right? Without Jesus, me and you wouldn't be allowed in, right? It is by the blood of Jesus that we have entered in, and it is because he obeyed the will of the Father. And so we need to do the same thing. That's our ultimate example. In this life, right, Jesus is, let's let's keep going. Verse 40, he says, he finds the disciples asleep, right? He says, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Couldn't you stay awake one hour? Keep a watch and pray so that you will give not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And we see that's exactly what's happening in here right the body is weak our body our flesh is weak we are weak 
right? Because we, we, have, we were born into a sinful nature, but we have been born again through Christ. But it was a spiritual birth, right? A spiritual birth that awakened our soul, our spirit to God, to a relationship with Jesus, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the spirit is willing, right? Nat our, our spirit wants to praise God. Our spirit wants to pray. Our spirit wants to be in tune with the Lord, wants to serve Lord. But our, our body, we have to break through our body, right? The body is weak. And Jesus, right, he's living in one of these bodies, right? In the same body that you and I have. And he doesn't want his body to go through the suffering, but he's, his spirit is stronger, right? His, his surrendering to the will of the Father is stronger than what his body naturally wants. And that's what we need to have too. We need to come into that point where our spirit is more willing, where we allow our spirit to control our lives, right? By the Holy Spirit. Each of us has a spirit, but we are led and filled with the Holy Spirit. And once the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us, and that becomes stronger than our own flesh, our own desires, right? That's when we can do the will of the Father. Right? Because the will of the Father, the Father speaks to our spirit. Right? Most of the time, we're not going to hear God with our with our physical ears. Most of the time, it's by His Word, right? By His Spirit speaking to our spirit. Right? Which is hard to understand. It's hard to figure out. And we're all still working on that, right? Right? But we need to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. The more we offer our spirit, right, to Him, who we are deep inside, right? Because we can all see each other physically, but there's characteristics about us that you can't see, right? And each of us is made differently, but each of us is made as a child of God. And he has given us a specific call, like a specific call to do the will of the Father. So we see this is a very important point of Jesus' life, right? He's praying. He's asking the Father if this can be taken away from me. But your will be done, not mine. And he says, the spirit is willing. My spirit is willing, he said. But the body is weak. We have to bring our spirits in line with the Father. We have to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, right? And our heart isn't our muscle. It's the heart of who we are, right? That's what it means when it says our heart. Our heart is who we are, our will, everything we want deep inside of us. Our heart, soul, mind and strength everything needs to be given to the lord all right verse 42 then jesus left them a second time and prayed my father if this cup cannot be taken away unless i drink it your will be done again jesus says if this cup of suffering is to come and it cannot be taken away unless i drink it then your will be done jesus is saying i will do it your will be done i am in will with the father then when he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. And when, then he came to the disciples and said, go ahead and sleep, right? So three different times he finds the disciples sleeping when he wants them to be praying with him. Right? Because they have given in to their body being weak, right? They were tired and so they fell asleep. Their spirit wasn't stronger than their body. Okay. He says, go ahead and sleep, have your rest, but look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. And even as Jesus said this to Judas, one of the twelve disciples arrived with a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs. And they had been sent by the leading priests and elders of the people. The traitor Judas, who had given them a prearranged signal, 
You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. So Judas came straight to Jesus. Greetings, Rabbi, he exclaimed, and gave him the kiss. Jesus said, My friend, go ahead and do what you have come for. Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. But one of the men with Jesus pulled out his sword and struck the high priest's slave, slashing off his ear. Put away your sword, Jesus told him. Those who use the sword will die by the sword. Don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us, and he would send them instantly? But if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? Then Jesus said to the crowd, Am I some dangerous revolutionary that you come with swords and clubs to arrest me? Why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there teaching every day, but this is all happening to fulfill the words of the prophets as recorded in the scriptures. And at that point, all the disciples deserted him and fled. So here we see Judas comes into the garden with this group of leading priests and elders of the people, the people that want Jesus killed. And he had already told them, the one I kiss is the one to arrest. And he comes right up to Jesus. He says, greetings, Rabbi, and greets him with a kiss. And Jesus says, my friend, go ahead and do what you have come for. And so Jesus know what, knows why Judas is there. And he still calls him friend. Isn't that crazy? My friend, go ahead and do what you have come for. And then Jesus was grabbed and arrested, but one of the men with Jesus, one of the other gospels says it was Peter, grabs his sword, strikes the high priest's slave, and slices off his ear. Right? So he, he's, he attacks one of the people who's arresting Jesus, and what happens? Jesus says, put away your sword. Those who use the sword will die by the sword. Those who live by physical violence will die by physical violence, right? Don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels? He, Jesus literally says 12 legions of angels. 12 legions of angels. There's 6,000 angels in a legion. So Jesus could have asked for 72,000 angels to come. He had the power to do that. He had the authority in all of heaven and all of earth. And he could have called 72,000 angels to protect him, to free him. And yet he did not. I could ask for 72,000 angels to protect us, and he would send them instantly. But if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled? Right. So we see Jesus again. He's submitting himself to the Father's will, even though he had 72,000 angels to call upon to free him. Right. He is giving of himself. He knows his authority. He knows his power, but he knows what has to be done for you and I. And then he asks the crowd, Am I some dangerous revolutionary that you come with weapons to arrest me? Why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there teaching every day, right? So Jesus had been in the temple preaching and teaching the people, teaching the people about the kingdom that was coming, about himself, right? And so he had been teaching the people and they had seen him there every day, yet they had waited until they could find Jesus in a garden, right? That's why they needed Judas to tell them where he was, right? When they could arrest him, when there was no other people around because the people loved Jesus. They loved his teaching, and so they were afraid to, to arrest him. 
when he was in the temple teaching. And after that, after Jesus is arrested, all of his disciples desert him and flee. All of the twelve men who had followed him for the last three years run away. Leave him alone. Just as he said, just a couple verses earlier. Right? Jesus said in verse 31, Tonight all of you will desert me. God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Right? So we see that happening. We see that Jesus is left alone, right? Just as he said. But he's, he's doing this all to fulfill the scriptures, to do the will of the Father. That is his love. That is his love. His love is to do the will of the Father, right? And by that, we have been accepted, right? Verse 57. Then the people who had arrested Jesus led him to the home of Caiaphas, the high priest, where the teachers of religious laws and elders had gathered. Meanwhile, Peter followed him at a distance and came to the high priest's courtyard. He went in and sat with the guards and waited to see how things would end. Inside the leading priests and the entire high council were trying to find witnesses who would lie about Jesus so they could put him to death. So these leading priests and high council leaders, the Jewish people, the Jewish leaders who are supposed to be trusted, are trying to find people who will falsely testify about Jesus, who will say lies about Jesus, who will lie about him so they can put him to death. And so we see how corrupt these people have become, right? They're willing to just let anybody come in and lie about Jesus so they can put Jesus to death. They have no law anymore, right? They're supposed to be the upholders of the law, the teachers of the law, and yet they are going directly against this, right? They have been so corrupted, so offended by what Jesus had to say. He was the Messiah, the one that they were waiting for, but just because they, he didn't look like what they thought he would, because he didn't agree with them, because he pointed out their sin, that they were self-righteous, that they did not truly love other people or love God, that they only loved themselves in their own ways, they hated him. And they want to kill him. And they're willing to do these corrupt things to do it. Even though they found many who agreed to give false witness, they could not use anyone's testimony. Even though there were plenty of people willing to give false witness, none of their testimonies would hold up. Right? None of the things they said would hold. So we see that there's still nothing that they can even bring against Jesus. But finally, two men come forward and declare, This man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Right? So that's what they bring against him. And Jesus had said that, right? Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, Well, aren't you going to answer these charges? What do you have to say for yourself? But Jesus remained silent. Then the high priest said to him, I demand in the name of the living God, tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And Jesus replied, You have said it. And in the future you will see the Son of Man seated in the place of honor at God's right hand, and coming on the clouds of heaven. So they bring these charges against Jesus, and initially, Jesus is silent, right? He's not going to answer these things because he's already said them, right? They're just saying things he's already said, and he meant what he said. But then the high priest demands in the name of the living God, tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God, and Jesus says, you have said it, right? When he is asked if he's the Son of God, the Messiah, 
he cannot lie. He says, you have said it. So he agrees, you have said it. And in the future, future you will see the Son of Man seated in the place of power at God's right hand. Right? Jesus has ascended. He resurrected after he was killed and ascended. And he sits at the right hand of God the Father. And he will come back again. Right? And coming on the clouds of heaven, it says. All right. Then the high priest tore his clothing to show his horror and said, Blasphemy, why do we need other witnesses? You have all heard his blasphemy. What is your verdict? And they all shouted, Guilty. He deserves to die. Then he be they began to spit in Jesus' face and beat him with their fists. And some slapped him, jeering, Prophesy to us, you Messiah, who hit you that time. And so... After Jesus responds, they are enraged. And they all say, guilty, he deserves to die. And they begin to beat him, slap him, spit on him. Jesus is alone. He doesn't have his disciples with him. Peter is watching from the outer courts, and Jesus is getting beaten, mocked. And they don't, they can't see who Jesus is. All right. Sorry. Beat him. They Yeah. Verse 69. Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came over and said to him, "You were one of those with Jesus the Galilean." But Peter denied it in front of everyone. "I don't know what you're talking about," he said. Later out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, Peter denied it this time with an oath. I don't even know the man, he said. And a little later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, You must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. And Peter swore a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me and he went away weeping bitterly and so Peter was just told earlier that night by Jesus that he was going to deny Jesus three times and he sees all these things happening to Jesus right he sees Jesus getting beat mocked spit on slapped and he's trying to get out and he has first of all two servant girls right they're just servant girls. They're not even like guards or soldiers, right? Ask him if they know G if he knows Jesus, and he says, "No, I do not know the man." Peter is so scared. Peter is so scared of what's going to happen to him, right? Because he sees what's happening to Jesus, and as one of his followers, he knows they'd probably do the same thing to him, and so he denies even to servant girls, even to servants right that he doesn't know the man and he's asked one more time oh you must be with him you have this his same accent and peter swears peter swears right he swore a, a curse on me if i'm lying and obviously he is i don't know the man right he's so in fear and immediately the rooster crowed right immediately the rooster crows and he remembers what jesus says before the rooster crows you will deny me three times that you even know me and he goes away weeping bitterly. And so we see Peter is in fear. 
and out of that fear he denies the Lord. And that was the end. That was verse 75 of Matthew 26. All right. And so it's hard to see this, right? It's hard to read almost. I mean, yeah, it's hard to read. It's hard to hear about Jesus, the Son of God, the one who was perfect, who had done no sin, and they start lying about him, right? They say he's guilty of something he's never done. He is the Messiah. He's the Savior of his people. He knows who he is. He knows who he is, and he loves his people, right? He is the one who had been sent to save his people, and yet they didn't understand what they, what he meant, and it had to be done, right? These things had to happen for Jesus to die, and he knew the Father's will, and he submitted himself to that will, and he has to go through all these things. Verse 27, or chapter 27, we're going to look at even more things happening to Jesus. Yeah, it's crazy what he did for us. Crazy love. You're exactly right, Jenny. And so when we take the time to read through this and we see what Jesus went through, right? Imagine yourself going through this, right? Being beaten, being slapped, being yelled at, being falsely accused of something you had never done, of knowing and already loving these people. These are the people you came to save. These are the people you love. These are your own people. And they are beating you, lying about you, slapping you in your face, spitting on you. And yet you are the one who's going to save them. Just think about that in your own body, what that would be like. And Jesus had 72,000 angels, right, that he could call upon. He said that. And yet he, he went through it. He went through it for those own people who were beating him and for you and I. He's already done so much for us. We need to be doing the same thing, right? We need to be willing in our spirit, right? Our body is weak. Jesus even went through that, right? He prayed that his flesh would not take over, right? He said, Lord, if this can be taken away, take it away. But not, your, not my will, but your will be done, Father. And so we need to come to the Father and ask, Lord, what is your will for me? His will is in his word, right? He wants us to give ourselves to him, right? That's what Jesus did. He gave himself to the Father's will, and it literally led, led him to his death. But by that, right, by, by what Jesus has done, so many things have happened, right? I want to read a couple other things, right? Revelation 5. Revelation 5, it says this. And it talks about Jesus being the Lamb in, in Revelation 5, but I just want to read what this says here. For you were slaughtered, and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will reign on the earth. So it's describing Jesus here as this, the Lamb of God, right? The Lamb whose blood was shed, right? John is seeing this vision, and this is how he describes seeing Jesus. Then I saw a lamb 
that looked as if it had been slaughtered, right? And Jesus is that lamb, and he has been slaughtered for our sin, right? All these things that are happening to Jesus. But it's now standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the elders, and he had seven horns and seven eyes, which represent the Spirit of God. And he takes the scroll and he opens it. And the, the people in heaven are, are praising him, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it, for you were slaughtered and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God. So they're exalting Jesus, right? Jesus is the lamb that was slain, who was slaughtered for our sin. But it was there was a purpose, right? There was a much greater purpose. It was so that we could come to know Jesus. It was so that we could rule and reign on the earth, right? It literally says that, that we are to be high priests, that we are to walk as Jesus walked and, and bring people into the kingdom of God, to bring heaven to earth, right? Jesus' prayer was, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are the high priests on this earth now. We are the ones who bring Jesus down, right? By his Holy Spirit, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives in us. If we have accepted Jesus and we have asked the Holy Spirit to come into our lives and we are trusting him and we are making Jesus the Lord of our life and we are surrendering our will to the Father, right? We are living that same life. And the spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak, right? Oftentimes it's hard, right? We don't want to pray naturally, right? We'd rather do other stuff because that's what our flesh wants. But our spirit, we must grow our spiritual strength. Our spirit needs to be willing, right? We need to find that spiritual strength. And that's exactly what happens in Acts. In the book of Acts, Jesus has died and resurrected. But the same Peter, right? We just read about Peter denying Jesus three times, full of fear. Peter is full of fear, and he's denied Jesus. And yet what happens? In Acts, Jesus ascends. He goes into heaven, before, but before he leaves, he says, I'm going to send you the gift I have promised. In just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And when you receive power, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, right? He says, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you're going to receive power. And we see in chapter 2 of Acts that the Holy Spirit comes into the place where they were and fills the disciples and 120 others who are with them. And everyone was present and filled with the Holy Spirit. Right? They were filled with the same power that, Jesus, that rose Jesus from the dead. The same Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the third person of God, right? And who do we see gets up and preaches, right? These crazy things happen. The Holy Spirit fills them. They are filled with the power of God, right? Jesus, Just as Jesus was. They are enabled and equipped to do the same things Jesus did, right? Mark sixteen sixteen says that these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe, right? Everyone who believes, who is filled with the Spirit, will cast out demons. They will speak in new languages. They will handle snakes with safety and drink poison, and it won't hurt them. They will place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. All the same things that happened to Jesus, all the same things Jesus did, we are to do. We are to live by the power of that same Spirit. And Peter preaches to the crowd of Jesus, about Jesus, right? Verse 38, Peter is preaching, right? The same Peter who had denied three, Jesus three times. Who had denied Jesus three times. And was full of fear as Jesus was being be beaten. Says this. 
Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children and even to the Gentiles, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked, crooked generation. Jesus is preaching the name of Jesus. He says, I'm a follower of Jesus. You need to repent and turn to Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it is for everyone, Jew and Gentile, all who have been called by the Lord our God. All are called to give their life to Jesus. So this morning I want to pray, I want to finish this morning by praying with you guys that we want to have that power, right? We don't want to be filled with fear like Peter was when he saw Jesus being beaten. And we don't want to leave Jesus alone. We want to live for Jesus, right? Because of what Jesus has done for us, we want to live that same life. We want to do the will of the Father, right? And we have that same Spirit. We have the access to that same Holy Spirit. So this morning, I want to go through a prayer with you guys, and we want to receive the Holy Spirit. If you are feeling that urge, if you need the power, right? If you are full of fear or if you have stuff in your life that is holding you down, then we need the Holy Spirit's power to break through those things. We need to see the Father for who He truly is, a loving God who cares and wants His children to live in freedom, in faith, to be royal priests, to rule and reign on the earth like we saw in Revelation 5. We are not to be torn down by the earth. We are supposed to be more than conquerors through Christ who gives us strength. All right? So this morning... Pray with me. Let's ask for the Holy Spirit to give us the power. Okay? So if you're feeling that, then just repeat after me. Repeat after me right now. Father, I recognize my need for your power. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit. By faith, I receive it right now. Thank you for filling me. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in my life. And let me pray for each one of you guys right now. Father God, you are so good. You love us so much. You sent your Son to die for us. You sent Jesus to die for us and he is our ultimate example he is the one who surrendered to your ways to your word and he gave his life up so that many could come to you could come to the father and be restored to the original the original creation to come and walk and have communion and fellowship with you to live with you and so father i ask right now that your holy spirit would fill us with your power lord with your power to overcome the enemy, evil, and darkness, Lord. Anything that's coming against these people, I break now in the name of Jesus, Lord. I plead the blood of Jesus over their lives, over any struggle that's going on in their life, that the Holy Spirit would fill them with their power and that they would go out and that the temptation that has been bothering them, that addiction that has been coming against them, would be broken now in the power of Jesus' blood and the Holy Spirit filling them right now, Lord. You have given us the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. And so if your spirit can raise people from the dead, 
then you can bring us to life, Lord. You can give us a new life. We can be born again by your spirit and by your blood, Jesus. So we thank you and we praise you this morning that you are a God of miracles, that you are a God who saves and who delivers your people from all evil and all darkness, that you have come so that we may have life and have life to the full, that you are a God who loves and saves. You do not bring evil. You do not bring sickness. You do not bring disease. You do not bring war. You are a God of peace. You are a God of love. You are a God of health. You are a God of strength. And we receive all these things that you have promised us this morning. Lord, we receive them by faith. We believe in you. We know who you are, Lord. We see who you are by your word. It testifies to us, and your spirit reveals it to us. We thank you, Lord, for you are good and you are God, Lord. And so we thank you and we praise you this morning. Fill us with your power so that we can be free of the world and filled with your love. And that we can walk just like Jesus here. Walk in faith and in truth and in the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we ask and we receive these things. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining me this morning, guys. I'll give just a couple seconds here. Amen. Thank you for joining, guys. This morning was powerful. There's power in the mighty name of Jesus. Right? And it's not just the words we speak, it's it's our hearts, it's our souls, it's our spirit, right? Jesus said the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so we need to submit all of who we are, right? You are not just flesh and blood. You're not just skin and bones. You are more than that. God has given you a soul, your mind, your will, and emotions, who you are as a person, and he's given you a spirit. Your spirit resides in, within you, right? We can't see it, right? Because we live in these these natural bodies, but it is within you. And the Holy Spirit will show you that. So this morning, if, if you've received him, keep pressing in. Keep asking the Holy Spirit to help you. Keep repenting, right? If there's anything in your life that Jesus is pointing out that's saying, hey, you need to forgive this person or what you're doing here isn't right. I, need, I want you to come back to me. I want you to live for me. I want you to put me first in your life. Then do that today. Find time to spend with him to just read his word, to spend time with him, and just intentionally seek him. Let all the distractions go and just set your mind on Jesus and what he's done, right? What we talked about today, the great sacrifice he made for our sin. All right. Thank you, everybody. I'll be back at 2 this afternoon. We'll be going through something a little bit different. So join us there. Otherwise, share us with your friends. Share us with your family, to those who need to hear about Jesus. Watch our testimonies, watch our other videos. We love you guys, we want to grow with you, and we'll see you later this afternoon.